Well, a very good morning to you all. If you'd like to grab your coffee, grab a donut, grab a, some fruit. Come and sit down. Uh, if you are new or you're visiting, you're very, very welcome. My name is Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Uh, together we lead this wonderful church, the Southwest London Vineyard. Celebrates its 30th anniversary this year. Uh, very exciting. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Um, so an exciting year. If you're new here or you're visiting, you are very, very welcome. Please, in, in one of the um, black pouches in one of the chairs near you, you'll see this thing called a Connect card. Uh, if you are new, if you are visiting, if you're passing through, just uh, fill that out and, uh, and hand it into Mark at the sound desk and, um, and we'll get in touch with you and we'll send you some stuff and send you some stuff about the church and all those kind of things. You're not signing your life away, um, but it's a really great way for us to kind of keep in touch with you and get in touch with you and um, let you know how things uh, are going. So uh, if you are new or visiting, please fill one of those out. So a new year. Happy New Year to you all, and um, if you're anything like me, there is definitely something in us that's, um, that's hard, hardwired into the season. You know, there's, there's something about the seasons, there's something about the change of year, there's, there's something at this time of year uh, in particular that causes us to pause. I don't know whether it's we take a break. Most of us take a break between Christmas and New Year. But there's something that happens that causes us to pause and to think and to reflect and to consider, to take time. Uh, Tennyson wrote, Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering it will be happier. So from the threshold of the year to come, it is very normal, it's very natural for us to take stock. For some, it's the season to make resolutions, uh, most of which are probably broken by now, it already being the 8th of January. G.K. Chesterton, he wrote this, he said, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year, it is that we should have a new soul and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears, and new eyes. He goes on, unless a particular man made New Year resolutions, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. So given that this is a time when we pause and take stock, when we reflect back on the old year and the year that's been and look ahead and think ahead to the new, uh, what might we do the same? What might we do differently? What are our hopes and our dreams for this year? What do we want to see happen? What don't we want to see happen? As we reflect, where were we this time last year and how have we grown? How are we different? How have we changed? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, how are we more like Jesus this year, at this point in this year, than we were at this point last year? To what extent have we been transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus? Every year, millions of us think through 
uh, and New Year's resolutions for the coming year. And, of course, these resolutions usually, you know, they involve the, the usual suspects of uh, losing weight and exercising more, uh, breaking a bad habit. And for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, hopefully there's something in our resolution that should involve becoming more like Jesus, growing in our relationship with God. But what if, it, if, what if we resolve to start afresh? And how about we set our resolve with uh, the very thing that is our plumb line, our, our yardstick, uh, our guide to living well? And I'm talking about this book here. I've I done a beautiful PowerPoint presentation, um, but the projector's not working. I, I'll, I'll talk to you. It had, it had, a picture, had a picture of a... I know, I know. Hours. Hours. What? I'll email it to you all. If you sign a Connect card, I'll send it all to you. <laughs> it had a picture, a lovely picture um, of a Bible, a holy Bible, covered in dust. What? <laughs> what? Anyway, no, not in my house. And, and someone, someone, someone had, 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 had... Oh, there you go. Oh, look at that. It sort of works, uh, but they, they, with their fingers, they'd written in it, read me. Uh, it gets better, but I mean, I'm not going to show you the rest. If you take it off, they're that ungrateful. <laughs> My hard labors. How about our New Year's resolution centered around this book, the Holy Bible, the inspired word of God, the scriptures. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, and, and this is what I like to do at this time of year, so um, this is not new uh, material, but um, at the beginning of the year, what I want us to do is to encourage, I want to encourage you, I want us to encourage one another to, um, to take the scriptures this year even more seriously than we took them last year. Um, how can I do my best? How can we do our best to encourage one another to be a, a more biblically savvy church in a year's time? What would happen if over the next 12 months, every single one of us gave ourselves not only to the reading of this book, but to applying it to our lives as well? Not just reading it, because we're supposed to be getting through Bible in a year, and we've checked the list off, but actually taking what we're reading and saying, now, okay, how does this actually apply to the way I'm living my life and the way that I'm doing life? What would happen if each one of us were to start afresh with the Scriptures? You see, because in and through the Scriptures, we've been given this extraordinary instrument of, of radical change and transformation, both uh, personal and social. As we look at the events of 2016 particularly, uh, we must be aware of the fact that the world in which we are living is desperately in need of cultural and social transformation. And personal transformation starts here, and cultural and social transformation comes out of that personal transformation. This is God's personal communication with us. This, these, these words are God's own self-revelation. So when we open-heartedly receive that revelation, we should be expecting change and transformation to come about. So what I want us to do this morning is to take a look at three or four uh, biblical pictures that express some of the power, that transforming power of 
God's word. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 12. There are Bibles up here at the front. You should all have a Bible when you come to church. Um, you should bring Bibles with you. Uh, you can bring your phones, but the Bible is still available in print. Uh, it's quite a good idea to... Uh, I, I like the old school, but that's just me because I'm old. Um, I, I like... Uh, that's upside down. That's not good. I, I, I like to actually have a thing. But um, uh, bring your Bibles with you because you, you need them. You need to be reading what I'm telling you is in the Bible just to make sure that what I'm saying is actually true because I can just be making it up. And, you know, um, yes, you'd want to know how much heresy is coming out of my lips on a regular basis. Hebrews chapter 4, that was just to help you find Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Literally, the scriptures, it's like the surgeon's knife. And and God's word, what it does, it penetrates the, the, the very deepest part of our being. And reading the Bible is, is actually much more about uh, being read than about reading. It's much more about being read than reading. You see, as we read these living and active words, the breath of the living God, everything in our hearts and our souls is laid bare. Nothing in us is hidden from God's power, just as we read the Scriptures. And as we read, and as we read, and as we read, it's like um, God somehow performs open-heart surgery on us uh, and just allows the, the, the living and active word of God to search us and know us and see if there is any offensive way in us and lead us into the way uh, everlasting as he divides uh, soul from spirit, joint from marrow. That's what's happening just as we read the scriptures, whether we're aware of it, whether we're mindful of it or not. And as we do our part and read, the Spirit of God and his goodness and his grace and his kindness and his mercy, he does his part and judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And as he does, and as he does that, he transforms us. And so we are changed and we become transformed with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle of the living and active power of the Scriptures. And what happens is, as we change, we grow. And as we spend time reading the Scriptures and studying the Scriptures and meditating on the Scriptures, what happens is our our hearts become softer and our thoughts become purer and our deeds become kinder and we're not entirely sure how it all kind of came about. It's just that when we take stock in a time like New Year, we look back over the last 12 months and say, I I think my heart got softer in the last 12 months. I I think I I may have become a little bit kinder. I I don't know. We don't know how it comes about. All we know is that the more of his word that we read and that we study and that we meditate on, uh, the more like him we seem to become. Turn to Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105 says this. Your word, Kate mentioned this already this morning. Your word is, word is a lamp uh, to my feet, a light to my path, a light on my path. 
And I think every one of the, I think it's 170-something verses in Psalm 119, I think each one of them makes reference to the Word of God, the Scripture, in one way or another. And verse 105 is no exception. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And the Scriptures have been given to us to guide us and to lead us. This is this incredible resource that the Lord has entrusted into our care. The Scriptures say, this is the way that you should walk. This is the way to go. Walk in it. There's no question that life is hard. So many of us, as we take stock of the last 12 months, as we reflect back on the past 12 months, uh, we will have had wonderful times, absolutely. But all of us, we will have all gone through um, hardships and challenges. We'll have all gone through difficulties and uh, tragedy. Some of us have been sick. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have struggled financially. Some of us have struggled with our jobs and our work or with our family. Or we've been in relationships that have not worked or have just been incredibly difficult. And all of that is just our personal experience to say nothing of the political and social upheaval that we witnessed in the last 12 months that, on a scale that we thought we'd never really expect to see. It's been hard. And uh, the truth, if truth be told, much of 2016, for many of us, felt like we were walking in darkness. We were sort of stumbling around, just literally just trying to stay vertical, just trying to keep up and not fall flat on our faces. Well, um, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of great darkness. A light has dawned. We, we had this just before Christmas. We're in the run-up to Christmas. Do you remember that, that verse? Yeah. And his name is Emmanuel. Jesus, the, the Messiah. And, and this book, the scriptures, the, the Bible, the word of God is, is, is one long invitation to come to the person of Jesus. It's a, a, a light uh, to our feet. It's a, it's a, a light to our Path, so that we no longer have to walk in darkness. Life absolutely will still present its challenges. That's not really going to change this side of heaven. The difference is having the scriptures in us and um, uh, soaked in us and, and around us and on us and in front of us and behind us. It, it changes us. Our circumstances may very well not change. What will change is our responses, are our responses to those circumstances. And uh, living and breathing and walking around and doing life and parenting and uh, marriage and being childless and uh, being single and being wealthy and being in want and being healthy and being sick and struggling with your faith struggling with your sexuality and, and, and any number of the things that we will all face or we will struggle with in this coming year um, suddenly got just that little bit easier because of the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 40 uh, verse 8 says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. See, the word of God, the scriptures, 
it endures. The word of the Lord will not pass away. It will stand forever. Isaiah 55 says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We live in a, a world with an abundance of words, many of them cheap and fleeting, but God's word, the scripture, the word of God is permanent and permanently valid, unalterably true. And as such, we, we need to know it. We need to know it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, These commandments that I give you today uh, are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children, the writer says. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down. Talk about the scriptures when you get up. Tie them. Do anything and everything you can. That's not the Bible. That's me. See, if you've got Deuteronomy 6, you'd know that, right? That's in brackets. Do everything you possibly can. That's me. Tie them as symbols. This is the Bible. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, you can do that literally as some are in the habit of doing, which is fine. Or metaphorically, but do you get the picture? Talk about the scriptures. Impress them on your children. When you're walking down the road, talk about the scriptures. When you lie down, talk about the scriptures. When you wake up, talk about the scriptures. Wrap it on your wrists. Wrap it around your head. Wrap it around your knee, your ankle, your foot, whatever. Just wrap yourself up in the scriptures. It's important. We need to have the stuff that's in the book, in us. We need to be drinking it in. We need to be eating it, and, uh, nourishing our souls, feeding our souls. The beginning of what we just read from Isaiah chapter 55 says this. It says, why? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does, does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Why? Spend. Why? 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 Do we spend so much time and energy and money on things that we know don't satisfy? Why do we labor so hard on things that do not satisfy? The things that we choose to read, the things that we choose to watch, the things that we choose to do with our time. The writer says, give ear to me, come to me and listen that you may live. Because the word of God is scripture. God breathed, stands for all time. It will not pass away. So how does all of this happen? Um, it, it comes about, um, surprisingly enough, uh, by reading the Bible. I had this major revelation last night. It was quite late. Um, but I suddenly thought, how does this happen? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, it happens when you read the book. It's incredible. That's free. Like, seriously. 
read the book. It comes about, this stuff happens. It comes about because we choose to spend time with God. It comes about as we go to him, as we go to him by reading his word. It comes about as we go to him by praying his word, praying the scriptures. It goes to him as, um, it comes about as we go to him by meditating on his word. As we go to him in, in worship, in reverence, in silence, and in awe, and um, it, as we seek him. It comes about by seeking him. You see, if we're not going to God, if we're not choosing to make time for him, if we're not choosing uh, to interrupt, Eugene Peterson, uh, to interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of the Almighty, doing that in worship and through prayer, uh, by reading and studying and meditating on the scriptures. If we're not carving out time to spend uh, with God, to spend time on God, if we're not going to God to get our core questions answered by God, answered through the scriptures, things like that, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are treasured, knowing that he has chosen us, knowing that he loves us, knowing that it's in him we live and move and have our being, knowing that it is um, no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me, knowing that we are sons and daughters of the most high God, co-heirs with Christ, and, 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 and. If we're not carving out time uh, to spend time with God in and through the study of his word, if we're not going to God to get answers to those questions and, and many, many more. We will find answers to those questions outside of God, outside of him. Uh, we'll try to find it in our jobs. We'll try to find it in our relationships. We'll try to find it in something else that just doesn't quite satisfy us, something that doesn't last, in something that will produce some kind of fruit in our lives, perhaps, uh, just not the kind of fruit that Jesus had for us. See, after a while, if we're not intentionally carving out time, communicating with Jesus, um, being with him, um, just hanging out with him, spending time with him, however you do that, knowing that he is with us, knowing that he loves us, uh, suddenly it all all starts to get a little bit scary. Because suddenly almost every um, sin under heaven is sort of within our grasp. Suddenly it's game on and everything's up for grabs. You know, when we're cranky, or when we're irritable or critical or um, consumed, whatever it may be, maybe that's the time to do a little health check, you know, a little pulse, you know, checking of the pulse, a little checking of the blood pressure. Just to ask yourself the question of when was it that we last spent time with Jesus? When did we last spend time with Jesus? And um, if we discover that it's actually been longer than we thought, we should find ourselves going back to him, running back to him, um, boldly approaching the throne of grace. The father has his arms out. He runs out. You know the story from the prodigal son. The father runs out to greet his son. The father runs out to meet you, to scoop you up, to put his robe around you, his ring of authority, his sandals on his feet. He, he scoops you up um, no matter how far we've run, no matter how far we've gone, no matter how long we've been away. But the second that we make that turn and say, oh, do you know, I need to go back to my father's house. I've sinned. 
I'm going to go back to my father and say, I, you know, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. We should go back to Jesus and find ourselves saying, you know, I don't know how I even got there. I don't know how I ended up in that pigsty eating pig food. I don't remember what happened. But I've missed you. I've missed being with you. I don't know how I got here. Because the truth is that every, everything hangs on our connection and our intimacy with God. Our relationships, our effectiveness in life, all of it, it all hangs on this. In other words, as we, um, we take in the word of God, we will not remain the same. Certain things in our lives, um, they, they, they look, it's like they burn away. Uh, impatience and anxiety, bitterness, lust, greed, jealousy. Some of the things that Kate was talking about this morning when she was saying, you know, you've, uh, you've got a, what was it, not an obstacle, um, uh, not a challenge. Uh, you've had something in front of you. Um, what was it? Yeah, I was. What, you know what she said, what Kate said. The breakthrough, breakthrough. Breakthrough. I know, I know. It's like so long ago. <laughs> oh, hours ago. It's a good morning. Um, breakthrough. So you're looking for breakthrough. You'll find that some of the things that you're, you're seeking breakthrough on disappear. They, they are burned away as you spend time and invest your time in the scriptures. And, and sometimes those changes are sudden and sometimes they're, they're, they're sudden and powerful. Um, other times it's more of a subtle change, more gentle change. Uh, but as God word takes, as God's word takes its full effect, what happens is we start to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We start to see uh, more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more uh, kindness, more goodness, more gentleness, more faithfulness, more self-control. And against those things, there is no law. The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It's that we should have a new soul and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears and new eyes. Unless a particular man make New Year resolutions, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. Resolve to take in God's word at this new year. Resolve to get this book in you. Determine to get to know it. Choose to devote time to God by studying his word. And very quickly... Um, there are three ways. There are three ways I think that we can, uh, three key ways that I think we can do, do just that. Uh, and the first of all, as I said, is um, uh, read the Bible. You, 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 have to, you, have, you actually have to read it to get it in. Or you can listen to it, I guess, nowadays. Uh, but you know what I mean. Um, many Christians have spent their entire lives, their entire Christian lives, without ever having read the Bible through once. They've read War and Peace or Anna Karenina, but they've never quite managed to get through the Bible. Um, it's pretty scandalous. To be, honest, to be honest, it's pretty scandalous when you think about it. Like, um, and it's particularly scandalous, particularly when you think about those people who are complaining about struggling with their faith or relationships or how to do life or, 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 or. Because you can't really complain about not knowing how to operate something if you've never read the operating manual. Um, we need to read the instruction manual. And in an age when God has graciously allowed us to possess 
his self-revelation in our own language. It's never been easier to access the word of God um, in our own language, in, in, in dozens, gazillions of modern translations. It's in every format known to man. It's paper, electronic, it's audio, it's visual. It's every which way but loose. Um, it really is to our shame that many of us who have been Christians for so many years um, and who regularly read other things still haven't managed to quite get to grips with the scriptures. Uh, is that a rebuke? Mm, maybe. Um, there are great Bible reading programs online. Uh, there's things like the um, Version Bible app. Uh, one of our favorites is the Nikki Gumbel's Bible in uh, One Year, B-I-A-O-E-Y-O-U, um, which you can download and send you reminders and Yes, 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 and let's have a vote. Let's have some audience participation. Okay, a lady in the hat, number 74. Daily audio Bible. Any, any fans of the daily audio Bible? Any, uh, any, uh, any? He? Brian. You can lie in bed and listen to Brian. 2017 is going to be a hard year. <laughs> this is how it means to go on. If you're new or visiting, this is very normal. What? Sorry? Any others? Any, any, other, any others? For any, any more? For any more? No, seriously. Any more? For any more? Like, who? Oh, what? Loads of different, loads of different ways for you to read. Okay, that's the first thing. Read the, read the thing. Okay. Second thing: study the, study, study the Bible. Study goes beyond reading the text. So when we're studying the scriptures, we're um, reading for understanding. We're reading for assimilation. And um, there are several questions that every student of the Bible that we all ought to be asking whenever we're reading the scriptures. And first of all, we're we're asking, well, what does the text actually say? That's the observation question, which was on my PowerPoint, but has been lost into the four winds the observation question what does the text actually say who's speaking to whom are they speaking what's going on in the text uh, what are the actual words okay first thing observation the second uh, thing is what does the text mean what what is this what does this mean that's the interpretation question that was also on my powerpoint but it's the i for interpretation you can make notes uh, what, uh, what did the original authors, what did they intend to express? What was this about then? And again, now, a good study Bible, a commentary. These are, these are very, very easy to access now online. You don't have to invest in huge uh, tomes in your home library. Um, they, they can really help us hugely, from all sorts of different perspectives, try to grapple with the interpretation question. What does, what does this bit of text actually Mean. And then the last thing is application. So observation, interpretation, application. What does this text mean for me? What, um, what does God want to say to me as I'm reading this text? And what do I want to say to God after reading this text? How does this passage make a difference to my life? How is it going to impact the way that I do my life um, one of the things that we found helpful is um, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures, it, it kind of breaks passages of scripture up and it, it helps force you in terms of some of the questions that it asks to 
ask some of those observation, interpretation, and application um, questions. Any of Tom Wright's books are, are fantastic. So uh, read the Bible, study the Bible, and thirdly, meditate on the Bible. Okay? Meditate. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor uh, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And as a result, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, brings forth its fruit in season. Uh, his leaf, the leaf doesn't, also doesn't wither, and whatever he does will prosper. So here's this encouragement in Psalm 1. Don't waste your time hanging out with sinners and scoffers and let your delight be in the word of the Lord. Meditate. His delight is, on, is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. And meditation is sort of like chewing, it's like chewing the cud. You know, really um, just a, a few verses, sometimes just a word at a time. And just going over and over and over and over again, just chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. Until you've literally extracted every last drop of juiced goodness from the scriptures. Juicing. It's the way to go. Juice the scriptures. Use your imagination. Use your senses. Just allow the word of God to come alive to you. You know, some of you get creative about the ways that we approach the scriptures. And imagine if you were present at the scene. Imagine if you were there. What might you see? Uh, what might you hear? What might you smell? What, what might you taste? What, what might you touch? What might you experience if you were actually um, there, you know, on the hillside, listening to the words of Jesus, watching Jesus? What does it actually feel like? Um, go beneath, go beyond just your thoughts in your head. Allow your heart and your, um, your feelings to experience the word, encounter the word. Um, imagine you're meditating on Mark chapter uh, 4. Jesus calms the, uh, the, the storm at the Sea of Galilee. You're reading that passage. You might ask yourself, like, uh, how, what would I, how would I be feeling? What would I feel if Jesus would say to me, you know, no, guys, let's go out and let's go to the boat. And, uh, um, I doubt that Jesus' accent, but, you know. Uh, uh, Let's go out on the boat. Let's go out onto the sea. And it's like, I, I don't want to go. Seriously, I really don't want to do this. You know, how would I be feeling if Jesus asked me to do that? Do you see? Um, how, how, what's going on? What's my response? Jesus says, oh, let's take the boat out. And let's go to the other side of the lake. And it's like, great. And then you're in this old battered fishing boat. And you're on the Sea of Galilee. And suddenly, as you knew would happen, right? And Jesus didn't. So you'd be like, I'd be knocked, right? There's this massive storm. It's like, yeah, great. Thanks, Jesus. Landed me right in it. You see, which you're not allowed to say out loud, but you are allowed to feel. Okay, so, so you should be thinking about these things. You know, what would you, what would you be thinking? What would you see? It's like, oh God, we're all going to die, massive waves, big black clouds, lots of rain. You know, how, how, would you be, how would you be feeling right in that moment, apart from, thanks, Jesus. Uh, and then, to make matters worse, you're... Praying for your life because you think that you're about to die. And you look at the back, into the back of the boat and Jesus is asleep. So how are you responding to the fact that Jesus is asleep? Um, would you be afraid? Would you be hungry? What would you be afraid of? And then how do you respond and how do you feel? What do you, what's going through your mind when Jesus kind of gets up 
and stands up and then speaks to the storm and tells the waves and the sea to be calm. And it happens. We gloss over this stuff as if I hear it, of course. You're in a boat, and it's like, what? Did you see what he just did? It's like a... So how would you be responding to that? What would you be feeling about all of that? And then what might God be saying to you about, okay, well, all the things that you were feeling about the storm on the Sea of Galilee, maybe now apply to the storm that you're facing in your life right now. And is there anything that I, your father, want to teach you about this? What do we want to say to Jesus? You get the idea. Okay. Okay, so, done? Nod politely. Yes. Yes. Oh, gosh. Solo. A devotional. Any more? So, <laughs> this year let's go beyond our New Year's resolutions. Let's, um, let's embrace God's way of transformation. Let's, um, let's make a commitment to reading and studying and meditating upon the Word of God. And let's uh, do that uh, individually, but let's do that as a community as well. And let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let's encourage um, one another. Let's, uh, the Deuteronomy 6, as we're walking along the road together through life, as we're, um, as we're chatting to one another, as we're going out for drinks, as we're here and we're there, let's ask one another, what are you reading? What are you reading this week? What bits of the scripture, what bits of the Bible have inspired you? I'm reading this stuff and I've got to read this stuff from a really, really challenging passage in the Old Testament, and I'm trying to get to grips with it, but I can't get my head around it. What, help me understand that. Help me understand. What do you think that means? What do you think that that's about? What's, what do you think the Lord's saying? Let's be a church that takes the Scriptures seriously. Let's um, be a church that lives and breathes uh, the Scriptures this year. Why don't you stand?